Hi, and welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries. I help athletes and business professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas from psychology to strategy and execution, but we focus essentially on the mindset as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand the psychology behind their actions and behaviors. And of course, to gain key insights that you can apply to your own life. Welcome to the Confinement Series. These episodes are recorded for you from Germany in times where all the nations have taken strict measures to stop spreading the coronavirus. With this new and unique situation, many of us are challenged to live in conditions that they are not used to which is why I'm bringing experts in different fields to give advice and intel on how you can manage your everyday, your health physically and mentally, your relationships, your business and your emotional well-being. So without further ado, our next guest. Thank you for joining the conversation again, Kartika. How are you today? I am great. How are you, Driss? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I mean, I miss the ocean and the beach and Bali, but still quite happy to be here. Um, it's very green around, it's sunny and beautiful. And uh, yeah, I can't complain really, but mm. hopefully things will be open soon. I can go back to my little island. Yes, indeed. It is actually quite nice to be in a place like Bali, different feeling compared to Germany, of course. So we look forward to having you back. Thank you. I look forward to that too. Our previous conversation had a lot of positive response. Uh, I don't know about you, but like for me, I had a lot of people reaching out telling me, thanking me for sharing that, that topic. How was your uh, response from people? What was the feedback you had? Yes, it's the same here, actually. It was quite, um, it was quite amazing to hear from people that I don't know and also my friends who are not familiar with hypnotherapy they found that it was a great great insight into um, what hypnotherapy is because people have a misunderstanding about what hypnotherapy is it has a branding problem right yes so we have the stigma of this kind of a stage hypnotism or in the in the movies where you control the person and hypnotherapy is a very different process than what we're used to of course there's a hypnosis scripts that people are used to so they don't understand they don't really they didn't know actually they just didn't know and so for them it was an insight into themselves and they really enjoyed that well that's great that's great yeah myself also before getting into it in the past years uh, i had a little branding problem with it but not anymore. Mm. That's not mm. purpose. So for people who, doesn't, uh, who didn't listen to it, could you please introduce yourself or what is it that you do specifically? Yes, of course. So my name is Kartika Alexandra and I am a hypnotherapist. I've been practicing for ooh, maybe well, over seven, eight years, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a degree in psychology. And so my actual uh, path was to go into psychology or psychiatry. But then when I discovered hypnotherapy and the subconscious component of the mind, I understood very quickly through my direct experience and then taking um, a course actually just for my own healing, how fast it was for us to be uh, addressing and overcoming our root causes, whatever the issue was. And so some of us had anxiety, some of us had phobia, some of us had PTSD and how fast people overcame these issues that they were battling and struggling through for so many years. Um, So when I had uh, by, by accident really, um, experience hypnotherapy I understood how much faster um, people could overcome their their topics 
I kind of delved straight into it. I didn't plan to be a hypnotherapist and it did grow organically. Um, and I have to say is that kind of movement, that fast dynamic uh, movement that you can see in people's growth and evolution that keeps this, it's great, it's really fulfilling. And so from there, uh, starting first working with friends and clients, it grew and grew and now it's become, yeah, we, we work with all kinds of people. So hypnotherapy, uh, I, I see all kinds of clients that are from military men, corporate sports, people. Right, sports also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sports, um, yeah, as athletes, but also, you know, every day, every day, anyone from a business background, housewives, artists, because we're working with the mind. And so the mind itself has different components. We have the conscious, subconscious, unconscious, if you want to easily categorize it like that. And so what we can do is work with the parts of our mind that we cannot access on a conscious level. Um, and when we work with that part of the mind, we can tap into parts of ourselves that are always existing and always working um, and tap into them to uncover how they're affecting our daily life. And in effect, help your conscious and subconscious line up so we can move forward all together versus my conscious, I want to be healthy or I want to not have anxiety, but the subconscious desire or frustration or struggle pulls you to overeat or perhaps creates anxiety when consciously there's no reason I should be afraid to be in the plane. Um, so we're working with both parts of the mind to line them up so that if I want to feel safe, I can feel safe. Though, if it's not good for me to feel safe, I can also start to feel anxiety because something is not right. right. So yeah, this is what we're looking at, using the whole part of the mind so the, the client can move forward and overcome their issue. Okay, okay, it makes sense. So today, today's uh, conversation is going to be specifically about the um, topic of relationships. Yes. Um, so I have a lot of questions, and I guess also you do have some coming from your clients. I'm waiting also from uh, other people to message me and tell me what are their own questions about that. But to start with, are there a lot of people reaching out to you for relationship issues? And what is the most common issues among your clients? Or what do you call them, clients or patients? Clients. 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 Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, there are a lot. Actually, there are yes, there are a lot. Um, the most common topics I do get are going to be relationships, um, anxiety, phobias, and uh, limiting beliefs for abundance. Mm -hmm. However, it's funny because any one of these will interact and affect the other one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in effect, it does affect the relationships you have um, to all hu all humans also animals, but the closer they are, especially romantic relationships, the more they're affected. And so, yes, we always touch on relationships in the end, if they're not coming in for that topic uh, immediately. So the most common topic uh, issues or questions I get is, um, why? Uh, this is one of the most common ones. I keep on finding myself in the same relationship with the same kind of person. You know, I know that I, this is not a healthy, but I, I can't even see that it's coming sometimes. And yet I find myself with an aggressive person or a jealous person or a possessive person. And I can't, I just don't want this anymore. Mm. I want to break that. Huh. The exact opposite also is I keep on becoming a very jealous person in every relationship. I don't want to be, I, there's no reason for me to be, but I'm very possessive and jealous. Or I become very afraid that they're going to cheat on me or I can't help but cheat on them. So it's either or the other person or my own issues that I can't overcome. These are the most common ones, mm. actually. Okay. Most two common ones. Uh, yeah, so the one with um, 
keep on selecting, keep on choosing the same person over and over, same type, same profile. Why do you think this is happening? I think last time we spoke about it post-recording of our podcast, you mentioned something about it's actually our subconscious that is attracted to the other subconscious of the person, something like that. Yeah. So the, this is um, this is really fascinating because, of course, we know. Let's say, let's take the example of um, a jealous and a very secure person. Uh, this repeating pattern usually can be two different things that take place. This may sound a bit abstract, but uh, it becomes quite clear if you can identify with either one of these. But usually what happens is the client says, I come in, I don't know why, but I keep on finding a jealous person whenever I go into relationship. What usually happens is internally, they have repressed a large amount of their jealousy a large amount of jealousy uh, within, and this doesn't mean jealousy about other people coming towards your partner. It can be jealousy, it can be envious, it can be possessiveness. So I'm categorizing, just like anger can have many uh, feelings underneath it, like frustration and irritation, jealousy can have that too. The sense of possessiveness, sense of envy, sense of this is mine. And so they've repressed it so much that they will attract a partner um, that will compensate for this. And it's not a conscious thing. It is not at all a conscious thing. Nobody wants to have a jealous partner. However, having not internalized and balanced that within themselves uh, properly, what they'll do is they'll attract the opposite outside. Alternatively, what you do find is that there is a, um, a in my everyday language, I say the wrong patterning. So they are basically mirroring a caregiver that has been caring for them, mother, father, even aunt, um, sister, or sometimes the media. They are sat in front of the TV and few clients come back like this. In the cultures where you watch a lot of soap operas and so forth, this idea that uh, the jealousy is, is meant to be is common. So they see the interaction between the caregivers um, and how this mother or father or aunt or, or anyone has, is acting and they internalize that and mirror that. And they don't want to do this. But the energy that they've been picking up and the repeated habitual seeing, watching this behavior over and over and over, without the capacity underneath the age of seven to pick and choose what you want to take in, you absorb it. And so essentially you wire it into your brain. So, and so you act before the age of seven, this is like in the subconscious in the imprint period. Yes, indeed. Right. Yes, indeed. Um, those are the two common root causes. Of course you have it too when there's sibling rivalry. So it can start from there. Sibling rivalry when the child is born very soon after, or even four years after, and this kind of tension that takes place because the attention of the mother is not on them. And so this attention gets displaced and transferred to the partner. Uh, but it's, it tends to come always from early childhood. It's, yeah, usually comes from, usually, yeah, it tends to come. I think 95% of my clients really go to that early childhood. Something has happened at some point. So it's not conscious, of course. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is that uh, um, to keep on uh, to keep attracting the, the 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 same type of person, the partner, you would need to first release what you have been holding into sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the best ways to do this is to sit down and actually reflect. So what am I actually seeing repeat over and over and over? Mm -hmm. Even if it's two or three times, that's enough. So what are these patterns that I'm picking up? And this does take honest, like honesty, pure honesty to say, this is what I'm seeing. This is true. Um, whatever that may be, 
if it's rich people, if it's poor people, if it's angry people, if it's unhealthy people, and then start to first look outside and then start to go in. So what part of this find the opposite within? Maybe I'm not balancing that. Maybe this very stingy person I keep on attracting, maybe I'm overly generous. Am I possibly overly generous? Not with just money, but also my love. Maybe I give too much too soon. Usually this is what attracts a stingy person in. Um, this is all unconscious. And people, if you ask them this consciously, they can feel a bit uncomfortable. But when you're ready to dive in, it becomes very obvious and very uh, clear, very fast, actually. Mm -hmm. So you can just analyze what the patterns are in your life. So this is obviously a work to do uh, before being in a relationship. But what if you are already in a relationship and then you start mm -hmm. realizing this is happening? This is, you're again with the, let's not call it the wrong person, but not the right fit, right? Or something like that. Uh, so how do you how do you go by that? Like what do you do then? You don't just do you just go and break up with the person, or how do you work it out? This is such a great question because when you are in a relationship, you are absolutely in the dark side all the time, coming up. So we get triggered more and more. So the closer any human is to us, intimately the more we're going to be dealing with everything we have not resolved. And so it just comes with being an intimate relationship. Mm. Um, this is the first thing is that in, in a, a typical hypnotherapy session, first we have to uh, look at what the idea is. This is not conscious. We do this subconsciously. What is the idea that you have of what a relationship is? And so this idea that it should be a honeymoon forever, happy, never having any problem, no suffering, no, no problems, no difficulty internally, physically, we have to challenge that first. And I say this, I actually never tell a client this. We have to look at that because this um, utopian idea is the first step of their suffering in the relationship. Then they cannot even see what the potential of this wonderful relationship could bring. So first, what is this idea you actually have of a relationship? Um, that, yeah, that, that's the first thing. The second thing is where are, sorry? Bringing the paradigms first, like starting with the paradigms and the beliefs around what relationship is and how healthy yeah. it should be. or no, yeah. mm -hmm. Right. Because when you do that, they can better understand the reality, the truth, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to what they would like to see, what they want to experience. Um, this illusions based on ego, it's a lot of tension and a lot of frustrations can come from there. So once that's clear and say, okay, I get it, but I still really can't stand the fact that they're stingy or generous or, or overgiving or whatever that is. In the relationship, there's always a large spectrum of where they are. So if they're starting to discover it and they're at the beginning of the spectrum of this is difficult, I see things are coming up. Mm. It's really, there's so much potential, still so much you can do to, to move forward together. Um, when two couples come in, and I, it's important I say this, when they both come in, what the first thing is, is how are they interacting? There's always going to be more interaction or dominance or whatnot, we can see that. And then separately, what can we do for this individual? to be a happier and healthier and a more harmonious individual mm -hmm. because then they will go back to the relationship with more harmony. Mm -hmm. So when they're better and happier and more harmonious, they will go to the relationship in a better way. So if they're at the beginning of the spectrum where they're having difficulties, mm -hmm. it's actually very easy and very fluid. But most people are too stressed, overwhelmed. So they don't look at taking care of the matters when they first come up. Ah, it's okay. It probably will go away. So we're going to just keep on going. And of course, life takes place. And then people have bills to pay, children, and then stress, and then not enough sleep. And so we go down the spectrum. 
to a more difficult situation in the relationship. Mm. When it's here, it's, it's much more difficult because we have compounded shame, frustration, I'm not being heard, uh, he doesn't understand me, and then the triggers are bigger and the dark sides come out of the person even more, you know, and the anger, and then we're, the biology is severely affected. Nice. So depending on where you are on the spectrum, it's easier or it's harder. I see, I see. Well, if you don't mind, can we uh, step back a little bit and go to the, actually the, before even being in the relationship, like the, this attraction, how does it really work? You know, I have spoken to people, whether clients or just friends, who would say the same thing about um, keeping attracting the same person, whether they are physically in contact with that person or digitally, like in, in um, um, social, what do you call it? social dating or like, I don't know, apps. And they would be still attracting the same person even if there's distance and all that. So how does really attraction works? How do, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. This is really fascinating and it does become a little bit energetic. So I don't know if, I hope it's okay for some, but um, when we are scanning somebody, whether it's the way they write a sentence on the, the, the uh, dating yes. app, whether yeah. it's a photo, the way they pose, it is bringing up, especially if you're looking for the lens of a partner, whether it's a sexual, emotional, mental, whatever unfulfilled needs, we're going to be scanning through our lens. And mm -hmm. that lens, we think we're quite clear, but that lens is completely, uh, let's just say, uh, filtered by so many unfulfilled desires, unfulfilled pain, trauma, um, hopes, and then, of course, um, other elements. Maybe in that day they're very uh, excited. Maybe that day they're very tired. And so all these things get into play, but this subconscious really does take over. And so attraction, we tend to think, is, uh, is uh, something we can maybe sometimes choose, but many times it's quite automatic because it's been built in by some subconscious elements that have taken place. And that that can be so many things but generally it will be relating to the sense of safety or excitement or freedom that may come from a relationship with a caregiver mm. it can also come from the impacted un uh, unresolved past relationship so something has happened in the past relationship they haven't been able to close it up and so they keep on trying to complete it and this can create that attraction mm. misunderstanding it as attraction actually more like a um something is feeling more exciting than not seeing this this person so that excitement whatever is bringing up the attribute as attraction but it's really just unfulfilled um, energy in the subconscious we want to close this up so they keep on repeating with the same kind of person trying to close up a relationship that happened when maybe they were a teenager um, and then of course it can also come up from uh, I can't say wrongful but inappropriate uh, imprints from social media, uh, from the social culture around. And so these social cultures exposing ourselves to maybe, again, soap operas, movies, these even like, uh, what's that? Little Mermaid, these kinds of things. Well, these yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, Walt Disney, yeah. These kinds of things do have an effect. And so we, uh, we don't really quite understand what is creating our attraction. And so uh -huh. even if you're fully aware and alert, Mm. mindful it still has a, a, a part to play okay i would like to be uh, i pinned a few things you said and one of them was bringing the past into new relationships that's this is very common this is very common you bring in your old traumas from older relationships 
uh, how can you prevent that? How, how would someone can prevent bringing the past to the new relationship? Yes. If I had to answer this in the shortest possible way, slow down, slow down. So when we break up, first, when we break up and we don't complete the breakup properly, it should go through a, prop, a process. It's not so clear the process, but it should be a, a process. It can be grief, anger, typical grieving process too. Going through this whole process, whatever that breakup was, whether it was an abusive relationship, whether it was a loving relationship, it does not matter. This process has to take place. It is a very painful process to go through. It's very, it's uncomfortable. The heart breaks. Uh, we also realize a lot about ourselves. This process is the most important process to go through if we want to move into the next phase of our being with a new person. Mm. If we don't complete this process and we stop, let's say, this place here in anger, we will find someone to play out this anger with. And right. it continues on. Now, if we go past anger, we get in, into sorrow or victim and we don't release that properly and totally, we play that out until we get sick of that and realize, okay, I'm over this. And then we continue on the process thinking, okay, it's been 10 years. It can't be that relationship, but we're still moving through that process of the relationship 10 years ago. Mm. So we have to go through this until we realize in this process, all the feelings we have carrying, how we have created this heartbreak or breakup in any way. And what led us to do all of this? This is called wisdom. Mm. When we have fully achieved this, and there is a neutrality, a neutrality when you see the person, not repressed neutrality, I'm fine, yeah, it's good. No, really looking at the person and actually having the capacity to feel an openness and neutrality, you know you've completed this process. Now, most of us don't do this. Most, a lot of people try to escape this process. Go find a new partner to escape this. We'll do drugs or alcohol or perhaps go into work. This is not completing the process. They think the time will heal this. It does not, it just represses it. But then what's the process then in this case? The process of release. It, it, the process, mm -hmm. a part of the process is releasing. I guess part of it is uh, getting aware. So building awareness of what was going on, what happened in the past relationship, what's going on within yourself uh, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, emotions and so on. But a part of that process also release. Mm -hmm. I guess signing up to um, therapy sessions, um, doing hypnosis is a part of the process. It could be very helpful. What else? Um, all of them, I would say, require you to do the proper deep process, require you to feel, feel. to sit there and to feel. Mm -hmm. If you can just sit there and feel and acknowledge whatever that feeling is, mm -hmm. you're already doing great work. Just right. feel, mm -hmm. just acknowledge that anger, sadness, pain, betrayal, whatever it is, and just sit with it and release it. You may do this by afterwards breathing. You may do this by doing exercise. You may do it in so many different ways, but it's really important to sit with it and to face it. And so if you don't do it, then you will have to deal with it later on. So please sit with it now, feeling it, feeling it, feeling it, feeling it until it releases blue. And in our hypnotherapy, we, we release it by breath. It's so effective when you're actually in the feeling and sensation itself, whatever it is, staying with it, blow it out. Stay with it. It gets more intense. Good. Blow it out. And you will see it goes down. And then the next one will come up is betrayal. And you'll go back to anger. Good. Keep on going. And mm -hmm. then soon enough, you're like, oh, I'm okay. Because mm -hmm. when you release that anger, you'll say, ah, oh, I'm angry actually at myself because I let, I did this to make that happen. And this, we can't, this is the last part. When you do that, you know you've done great work. 
and so you're closing it up so feeling it when you feel you learn a lot yeah that makes sense it's, unfortunately it's not like there's no clear education uh, about this topic and we just keep on going without really being aware of what we need to do to process and we need to do to move on Totally, just this is exactly one of the biggest things that I try to um um well I don't try it's actually part of the therapy to how to express your emotions. So this is the other thing because we are not taught how to express emotions, men and women. We just feel all this stuff, but there's no structure or, con or way for us to process it into a word that someone else can understand. Um, this already creates a lot of difficulties in relationship. Mm -hmm. So not being able to understand what is this that I'm feeling and how to express that in a way that can be understood with some kind of neutrality, hopefully, this causes a lot of tension in relationships. So I'm angry and he's just like, why are you so angry? I don't understand why you're angry. Mm -hmm. And she tries to explain it her way. Of course, the man hears it his way, which is not the way she's understanding that he should hear it. And so here we go. Another story. You don't understand me. I'm so frustrated because you understand me. So she, first she's angry about something else. Now she's frustrated because he doesn't understand her, but he doesn't understand why she's even so frustrated. Now, in this right here, in that context, we have so many things happening. If the woman in this case, or the man, can uh, convey her feelings in a clear way, she will already decrease her frustrations and irritations, feeling her ability to communicate clearly, and he can actually know how to respond. Same for the man to the woman. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times men will not convey their loneliness or frustration or feeling like defeat because of shame or whatever else it may be, or just because they don't know. And so they keep it in. And so the way the body and the mind will react with this, if it gets too much, they'll start to withdraw or they get overly aggressive. It's not, it's not something always conscious. It just takes over. And so the woman doesn't understand what's going on. So she takes it personally. Here we have, if, if the man could say, hey, I feel lonely because uh, you haven't been home. You haven't been home and mm -hmm. I haven't really felt like you're paying attention to me. This vulnerability, ability to communicate. Um, this is already great. However, if you can communicate even more lovingly, when you don't come home and spend one night of the week with me, I feel like I'm not that important to you because I really value um, intimacy, physical intimacy, like dinner time together. Are you willing to maybe adjust your schedule so we can spend more time together? Is even more inviting. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's, that's nonviolent communication by um, Dr. Gonna think, I'm going to say the exact same thing. This is uh, the process. That's one mm. You teach that's that too? Uh, no, I don't teach it, but in the session, if we need to, we'll bring that in. There's so many different ways we can communicate feelings. Um, first is, what are you feeling? And this is the first thing we do. This one, I, we, the first thing we do is help the person understand anger. Well, what kind of anger? Ah, actually not anger, it's frustration. Mm. No, no, underneath that, it's actually rage. And sure enough, it's hate. Turns out they hate. And then when they realize they have this hate, they can release it, then they understand, okay, it's gone. I can't believe I hated this person. No wonder I was acting so aggressively because they hurt me back then and so forth and so on. But once it's out, they understand that's what hate feels like. There's release and mm. there's a lighter feeling. Yeah, so first is helping them feel whatever it is they're feeling. I feel bitter. Oh, this is jealousy. You know? yeah, I see. Yeah, like getting in touch with the emotions, knowing what you feel, very, very important. So I had, I, I was challenged by that myself. So mm. 
for me was sitting with the feelings and thinking about them was a passive thing to do. That's what I thought it was. Uh, so I came to that realization not so long ago that sitting actually is actually proactive. You're actually doing something. Uh, so I'm thinking like with all the negative experiences that people can have in relationships, they start becoming a little bit bitter and closed mm -hmm. off a little bit and less open to uh, welcoming healthy relationships for themselves and welcoming the right people for them. And then they start doing a lot of type of practices. I'm thinking here about uh, the yoga heart opening practice. Um, yeah. I'm thinking here about using I don't know, crystals, for example. Um, yeah. Doing all sorts of things. And they will be rather, in my opinion, looking for a, how, what's, the name, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, something that feels a certain intensity. And they, I heard that before, and also I think I've been there myself, where rather than getting to know someone slowly and see how things can grow, you would be looking for that big chemistry, that falling in love thing that's big like the fire you know when you feel when you meet someone is that something you think it is realistic i mean this is what people would be look should be looking for looking for that spark or rather have a different approach to connecting and meeting someone this is oh this is not a very popular answer because yeah. generally when we have this passionate intensive intensive connection um yeah generally it's not linked from something that is uh, it's mostly linked from the subconscious um untapped let's say pockets of energy emotions that come up and we are going to interpret that as oh yeah as this is the one and we begin to put labels on it because we don't know what to make sense with all of this happening inside of our body and the, mm. and all of this coming up um let alone having sex in itself increases all kinds of other attachments that are also subconscious and conscious no matter how much we say yeah yeah i'm fine i don't have any attachments after sex this already affects us vulnerability takes place even more after sex these are all things that take place so um very, most of the time the more intense that connection or passion or whatnot is, um, ideally, the slower you can take it. It's very difficult because everything is kicking in, but really that would be especially so slowing it down. Now you can have this sexually, you can have this emotion, you can also have it spiritually. So people feel this incredible connection with somebody and it may be legitimately a great connection, but going too fast, what happens is the conscious mind is trying to label and understand what is going on because we don't like to not really trust if it's getting so overwhelming like this. It's not something conscious again. So it kicks in and we try to label it. It must be a soulmate. I get this a lot. I think I met my twin flame. And so um, a soulmate is obviously someone that is meant to, you're meant to cross paths with and you're meant to be with together forever. Another false idea of what a soulmate is. Um, twin flame is a heightened version of that where you are um, the opposite of each other and you are meant to find each other before you return back to the higher levels together. And so meeting your twin flame is, is really... Uh, an incredibly overwhelming experience. So people have this kind of, I think I met my twin flame and you know, he wasn't or she wasn't, you know, and 
they betrayed me and they hurt me and so forth and so on. Again, challenging the ideas of what they actually think is a twin flame. This is, uh, this is uh, I, if in short, a faulty a cognitive labeling, really. Mm. And so um, when, they see, when they see something and they don't know what to understand, when they try to label it too fast, you are not going to be labeling it with um, a clear lens, let's say. So slowing down, no matter what, slowing down. Slowing down in every possible way. Slowing down, slowing down, and not that may be fear, not from fear, right? Just from curiosity, perhaps. Yes, 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 absolutely. And um, that's another thing. The fear kicks in. What if it's not this person? What if it's that? And so we try to make it that person. So many things happen in that moment. So having the capacity within yourself, really, to keep it together, slow it down, slow out slow down all the intensity, the hormones, the attractions, the desire, the fears. Slow it down. Writing can help. No, uh, it's quite. It can take quite some time. Writing, but moving this uh, this out of the body, instead of going to the person and then getting more attached to them. So this attraction, um, in that sense, uh, yeah, it can be really overwhelming. So if there's anything that, whenever a client comes in, please slow down. Just look at what is making you want to rush so fast. Is it the fear that this is not going to be the person you'll never find the person or what this means about you first? Why, why are you rushing so fast? What is that? Where is that coming from? And that's a very good question to ask yourself. Why are you rushing so fast? What is it? Uh, and when you're really honest, you figure it out. Suddenly it slows down. Okay. Now I know. Um, so that's one way you can look at why you want me want to rush so fast to label. Yeah, it makes sense. So, Energy, energy, and what happens in that? Oh. I mean, you mentioned the word energy a couple of times. So, what happens in the energy field um, yeah. when two people meet? Maybe, maybe we should actually explain what what we mean here by energy first, so people okay. not familiar with this kind of uh, vocabulary. So, I, I uh, will not get too technical, but uh, enough clarity. I hope that one can see that there's, first of all, different energy fields we hold. There are many different energy fields that one human body will give off, one being. Um, and these all energies make up our being. So, for example, you have the energy field of um, one of the ones that is a very uh, well studied and is fascinating information because now it's scientifically studied is the energy field coming off from the heart, the magnetic field. This field, we all have it, and this field is very strong. It goes as, uh, quite far out, about a meter and a half to two, uh, if not more, and it's much stronger than the magnetic field of the brain. Now, within this field, all of this, there are what we can say are uh, magnetic waves giving off all kinds of energy. So if I'm sitting in this room, or I walk in, it's, the, the field itself is very large and expansive, but they can't test as far as it can go because they don't have the sensitive instruments. If you want to read more about this, you can find more at the HeartMath Institute, um, but they do a lot of the studies. But anyhow, if I walk into a room and I walk in and everybody turns around and they're like, oh, who's this woman? A strange feeling. They're picking this up from my energy field. My energy field is going to go far beyond where my physical body is. If I walk in, they're like, hey, then they all turn and say, who's this woman? This is my energy field or my heart magnetic field giving off energy. Now within here, you will, your central nervous system, should you be sitting right next to me or near me, is picking up what's happening in my central nervous system just by sitting nearby each other, not even touching. Mm -hmm. your, your magnetic field of the heart is picking up mine. 
And so we're exchanging information. Now, if this is quite in uh, close in frequency, we may feel more comfortable and familiar to each other. This mm -hmm. magnetic art, uh, heart, uh, magnetic field also is transmitting all kinds of other information. And, and by the way, the central nervous system is very strongly related to how we stressed we are, anxious, calm, it's giving off all this kind of information. But it's also giving off other information that we're picking up subconsciously, unconsciously. This is also the subconscious. Our body operating, surviving, working every moment, that's subconscious working there. So it's also reading everything. This is why people have this, this weird feeling, something, you know, I don't feel like something's right. You know, or I, I think I, I forgot something, you know, and they don't consciously know it, but they have this feeling in their hands and, and they'll have a, their memory will work in there and they'll, this is what you can see if, if you're able to see energy fields and they'll be able to feel, let's say, a little bit of the, the keys to the back there. This can be the memory, but this can also be the, the, the feel coming off of it. Now, this heart magnetic field, the closer you are, uh, if you sleep together or if you touch each other, for example, just touching, it will spike and directly impact the heart beat of the other person. Now, if you sleep together, you will find in the terms of the same bed or having sex, but sleeping, sleeping as in uh, into the uh, sleeping of the delta brain waves, what happens is your heart field coherence start to become the same. And so if one is very, let's say, um, incoherent in their heart field and the other one sleeps next to them a lot, what happens is they will probably go down the negative path of being both uh, incoherent, not very um, clear and stable heart fields. So you do affect each other through this one magnetic field of the heart. The more you work with people who have an unstable or incoherent heart magnetic field, the more you're going to get that as well. This is something that is happening to all of us. Now, the closer you are, the more you sleep together. Sleeping is very key here. The more you sleep in bed, and, um, but also when you're having sex, you could, all this information is being, is being transmitted and this is affecting you. So that's one field. The other field is also the energy field. We can call this auric field, etheric field. It gets, quite, it gets quite technical actually. And in this part, there's all kinds of memory in this field. And in this field, uh, I'm also picking it up, whether I believe it's there or not, it's, it's actually there. And so in this field, if I see somebody that I like, I will not be conscious of this. But if I can describe it a bit like there's a little bit of a hologram around me or a field, and there's a little bit of a hole here from some trauma that has happened or from some desire that I have that's very intense. And the person I see over there, male or female, they have let's say an equivalent match to fill this, it feels automatically complete as they reach over to my field, uh -huh. fill that space. And suddenly I feel very balanced and good. I feel really good around this person. Of course, it's not still not healthy because that's still a hole that's gonna be within me. Once they leave, then suddenly I don't feel complete codependency takes, pain, uh, takes place, agitation kicks in, anxiety take, kicks in, jealousy or whatnot, that hole is still there. So this kind of connection can also take place into the energy field. Does that make sense so far? It does make sense, does make sense. I'm following, trying to stay really focused on the words that you're using here. And I have a couple of questions that are popping up in the same time. So one of them is how to trust that feeling you know, when you just meet someone 
should I trust it or not? Should I trust my feeling? I don't feel right close to that person or the opposite. I feel great close to that person, how much we should trust in that. But I'm also thinking that at the end, like summary or kind of conclusion of all of this, you would need to do personal work to yes. work yourself. But then again, there's another question that comes when you think about that. Of course, we need all to do work on ourselves and it's a work in progress. But some would be thinking, I'm not ready until I am perfect. Is there something such as perfect yet anyway? Mm-mm-mm. When are we ready anyway? You see, Mm-mm. a lot of questions come in at the same time. We don't need to answer them all, but like, what do you think about that? Yeah, so this idea that I'm going to wait till I'm perfect is a... Com- uh, if, if someone comes into the into the uh, session and says that, I know that it's going to be coming from a way that they are coping from some trauma in the past, mm. and so uh, this is once we resolve that, they don't have that weight on them anymore. Um, of course, that's ego there and there's protection there. People don't see it like that. They think it's a very noble thing, and or they, they can think I'm not going to, I don't want to hurt other people. But by default, by being in any, by being alive by being in any relationship whatsoever, we have to accept that we are going to unknowingly, perhaps knowingly, but hopefully unknowingly, um, unintentionally hurt another person. And so sometimes we have these uh, false concepts that we have to abide by that are not even, you know, they don't need to be there anymore. And so perhaps it was given by their parents or a trauma in the past. So this, this idea that you have to keep on working until you're ready, is uh, somewhat false, though it is still, we should, we should work through whatever we can. Mm. And should the right person come forward, we are ready for that opportunity. I would say it's better to see it like that. Keep on working yourself, on yourself, keep on going. When that person appears, explore, explore. Please know you are going to be triggered. You are going to be, and this is what relationships are. And this is exactly how the real healing happens, is how you do work with what comes up in the relationship. So a lot of people stay in the first six to 12 months, the honeymoon period. They love it. Everything is great. But when the real sides come out, which is the real person, perhaps a lazy person, perhaps a demanding person, this is the real version of you and the other person. Mm. When this part comes up, stay, stay a little bit. Work and see what you can work through this period. I'm not saying take abuse. I'm not saying take physical abuse. I'm saying, see what's coming up. And perhaps is your boundaries are being crossed and you shouldn't be there, please leave. But if it's not, if you're just being tested and challenged, use this opportunity because that's where the real work is in relation to others. Excellent, very good points, very, very good point, yeah. Okay, well, that lead us again, I guess, um, I have a couple more questions, but also expecting some questions from people that are, um, that are looking forward to this. So the question I have for me to you now is finding a partner. I have someone asking me, how do you find a partner? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, selection process. Um, not, not only the selection process, the exposure process. How do you and where do you look for a partner? How do you find a partner? The first question I will ask is, are, how are you blocking a partner? We don't always realize this, but this, we create a wall to protect ourselves. So first, open up all of that. This is what people can everyday life call abundance, you know, opening up all that life has to have. So if you are and you're finding you're not finding a partner, what has been blocking you? Whether you're realizing it or not, there may be something. 
Mm. So you don't see the opportunities or you don't reach out because you're shy. So what are the things you're doing? First of all, that's blocking you to find a partner uh, beyond a friend. And so, um, and so that, that's first thing. What are you doing that's blocking you? If there's anything, um, do you really want to find a partner? You know, is there a fear? Is there a concern? Um, is there hesitation? Whatever it is, any kind of, any feeling that comes up, make note of it. So first, I would ask that. Are you blocking yourself in any way? Mm. And it could be also a way to find out is when you, every day you're living your life, do you find yourself going back to a previous relationship or a previous person, male or female, same sex or not, or a parent? Because that's a lot where your energy is going. And mm. so if your energy keeps on going to the same place in the past, you are definitely not in the present. And most of us are not, but this is normal. But we can re-identify where our energy is going, and that's why we're not making space for this. Um, and the more energetic sense, we can have what we call a, um, uh, we have a coping mechanism to not uh, be vulnerable in a relationship. So all of these things are things that we should look at. Or perhaps, an energetic sense rather, heart wall, a wall that we create to protect ourselves. And we tend to feel this in dissociation and numbness in avoidance and then having an extreme uh, urge, emotional, sexual, mental. And so you see this kind of heart wall or this coping mechanism kick in, this dissociation rather, um, and that will take over. And that's the way you know you're blocking yourself. Mm. Okay. So if you look yep. at that, that's great. And then of course, the next question is, please really ask yourself, without going through with it, please ask yourself, First two questions, and I don't do this so consciously like this. What do you actually want? And then what do you actually need? Mm -hmm. These are two very separate things. So consciously, this sit in the pre-talk is the first 20 minutes. I want all of these things. But when we go into the hypnosis portion, which is the part of themselves that is not so much the ego, it's very much the um, parts of themselves that know what they should get so they can grow and be happier and healthier and more harmonious. It's, it tends to be a very different answer there. And so what you want and what you really need tend to be different. We don't really always want what we need. Um, and so we get what we want, but we don't stay. I want a soft person who loves me no matter what. Turns out, no, I actually need someone who, who lets me know I shouldn't cross that boundary because I can, I can be dominant or, or pushy. Mm -hmm. And so someone, that's who we need. So really know what it is. Does it, does it uh, matter to have the same interests when selecting a person? Well, that's a great question because um, uh, the psychology studies say that the, uh, it helps. It helps, but it's not necessary. It is really helpful, though, to be of the same uh, social economic status. That's really helpful. Um, and there are actually, from what I remember, last remember reading, political views can be very helpful to have same views on if for those who are political and religious values. So these can be the most, and uh, because that impacts all how you bring up your child, if you're going to have a child too. Mm -hmm. And so these core values are going to be the key components to look at. Interest. Not so much, uh, but they should have some uh, overlapping. I believe forty uh, percent is very helpful. Anything less can be quite difficult. I can't remember the exact stats, but something like that. But if you have completely different lives, it, it doesn't mean it's not going to work. But it can be easier if you do have overlapping interests. But by interests here, I mean also type of lifestyle, 
also, I guess, uh, where you yeah. share the same interests, I don't know, like, for example, about nutrition, about fitness, about common hobbies, maybe, not necessarily 100%, but like a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I'll go with a few questions that I'm getting here, if you don't mind. Uh, what is the first question? How do you best avoid letting the fear of losing someone to get in the way of putting your own needs first? Should I repeat that one? Oh, that's a fantastic one. Huh. Um, the honest, direct question is, why are you afraid of losing them? Uh -huh. What about losing them makes you afraid? Mm -hmm. This becomes a process. What about losing them makes you afraid? And go and tend to be a was because, you know, I don't want to lose this person. I love them so much. But what about uh, loving them so much makes you feel so afraid to lose them? Go deeper. And usually you will find yourself. Mm. Usually you will find yourself in a very um, core memory of the first time they have lost someone mm. or were threatened to be left um, by this person or another person, uh, or meaning that they don't have self-worth. But when you get to that core, that mm. fear will disappear. It will disappear. You, I mean, not 100%. It's normal to have some fear when you're very close and attached to somebody, mm -hmm. but it will diminish a lot. So go digging. What about losing them makes you so afraid? Deeper. What's the next question? Well, what about that makes you so afraid? Mm -hmm. Go down. And this is a process if you can do when you're in a very relaxed state, not so conscious like right now. We'll go relax if you do meditation or you lie down and go deeper and deeper. And you'll find the feeling get lodged, this fear in your body, go into it but it will always go back to the ego something about security about sense of self-worth about oneself always always mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. identify it feel the fear it will go that's the mind yeah okay so the next one will be can a relationship work if one part knows exactly where they want to be and to go in their life and they have maybe arrived already and the other part is still in the beginning of this still searching Yes, it can work. It is how you're going to respond to the other person, both of them, that's going to make or break it. So when one has arrived, the way it, of course, if it's a female or a male, let's say that's a female who's arrived and the male hasn't, this really causes a lot of difficulty for the man to feel strong, like a man they can lead and so forth. So if the female can be aware of this, that even though she is successful, wherever she is, when she returns to the man, she is his woman and this can be what causes a lot of problems with uh, alpha females and so forth when you go back to the man if you can be the woman and not the male in the relationship yes most of the time a woman who's successful will go back and still have that success and the man is still trying to make his way the shame that gets subconsciously unconsciously brought into him is what creates this rift opposite for the man too the way he goes back to the woman Mm. will be what makes or break it um of course no matter what you're back you're going back to the relationship hopefully to support and to love each other um so the moment that you're going to talk about your success and their failure you're not doing that so this is yeah this is really key so this how you go back with a success or how you go back with the the failure that's going to make or break it but makes absolutely me, makes me think about um masculine and feminine energy fits in there what can you we say? What can we can you say about that? Uh, the fit oh. in masculine and feminine. Yes. So we all have the masculine and feminine side. Mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, because of the upbringing we most most of us have in um, developed countries and also this kind of modern world, we don't have a balanced male and female side. So generally speaking, having a male and female side means we have the dominant side, which tends to be categorized as male. We also have the submissive side, which tends to be categorized as female. We have the soft, the feeling, and then we have the strong, um, perhaps maybe even arrogant at this point. Um, these are all the different sides we have. Based on our upbringing, we will develop one side more or yeah, it depends on the culture, depends on the parents and so forth and so on. However, not balancing this, we will attract that in the opposite. And this will usually come out as being a very loving, happy honeymoon period until all of that fades and that battle starts. Both are male, let's say. The female is quite male, the male is very male, and this cannot last. This is very, very uh, intense, but it can be very passionate very intense and passionate but it's very tiring <laughs> now if you have both who are um, very submissive there's no passion it's very flat you can be quite like uh, sometimes sexual uh, uh, intimacy is lacking maybe you have sex once in a while it's like more friends it's this kind of feeling um, and you're very relaxed talk about feelings ideally you can both move between your male and female elements cohesively within yourselves, but in the relationship. So this male and female, um, if we can balance it, again, going back to oneself, going back to oneself, if we can balance it internally first and know how to respond to our partner, it, should I be a female or a male at this point? We become very flexible in the way that we are and the partner begins to be able to have flexibility in the way they respond and things become very fluid. This is really beautiful to see. When you see partners work together like this, even if the male is cooking, the man, and he's cooking, um, and he asks his wife to do things, and then she can take over and become, the same, maybe the male in the relationship. You can see how fluidly it moves. However, essentially, no matter what, we should go back to being, if we're a male as a man, ideally go back to being a male in our body, in the mind, and the female um, in relation to each other. So in relation to successful businesswomen, they will be more male. They will be more male. So they're problem solving. They're figuring out what to do and how to do things. And they don't talk about their feelings. You cannot do that when you're running a company or a business or even taking care of the kids. This is also being in the male side, having to watch, observe, plan. This is very male. If the woman can go back to the female side with her male partner or female partner, she will be more balanced. But usually what happens, we're tired. So we go back home and then we don't want to talk about our feelings. If the male partner can help them to talk about their feelings, you allow this female who's always in her male side to go back to her female side. She will produce the right hormones in her body. So she reduces her stress and she will feel more comfortable in herself. And look at this partner as someone who is balancing her. This is really beautiful. This is where love grows and this kind of uh, respect grows too. That makes total sense. Very good. Thank you for answering that one. I have someone asking if it's necessary to trust a partner 100% and how much distance and secrets are healthy. Mm. What you mm. We have to ask what kind of secrets and we have to ask what are you not trusting? This oh. is really key. What are you not trusting in this partner? Um, if you're not trusting that they're going to be faithful, 
that's something very um it depends if you're okay that they're some people are very open to open relationships but if you're not trusting that they're going to keep their their word yeah this is something interesting to look at why are you with this partner that's mm. always number one question and second of all why are you not trusting them mm. um it could be valid that they're not to be trusted but it's important first to go back to yourself um it's I, I i this is my personal opinion but it's very hard to have a healthy harmonious relationship with someone you cannot trust it is very hard um, yeah. if you can grow together in the trust and you can build the trust but if you're already supposed to have built this trust after perhaps several months ideally you should already trust this person after you spend some time with them if mm -hmm. you are um, um if you cannot i would say it's very difficult to be vulnerable and this is essential in relationships um mm -hmm. however if you have only just started and oh sorry you've already had a relationship and they broke your trust and you want to move forward together here i would say you may have not forgiven them for whatever they've broken your trust for and in this case please go in this has nothing to do with them Go in and find out why you are not able to forgive them just yet. And forgiveness is not just, I forgive you for hurting me or betraying me. It's much deeper than that. Mm. Likely you're still harboring and unconsciously, and I'm very sorry for everybody who I may trigger anyway for saying all of this, but you're likely harboring still a lot of resentment and bitterness, though you're not recognizing it. Because true forgiveness comes when you have no longer, you're no longer carrying those feelings. Mm -hmm. This is true forgiveness. So when we go in, we think we've forgiven an abusive partner we go in into hypnosis and you will find that they are always shocked every single one of my clients are still shocked at how much they have not let go not one has gone to a past relationship and say oh well that was there was nothing there no everyone has gone back and said i cannot believe how much i still hold from this heartbreak or this betrayal or this unfulfilled love with this man or woman there is so much still there and that's when you release those feelings, then you can really forgive. So that trust may not be uh, growing because you're not, you haven't fully released. That's the process that we were talking about earlier in the conversation, right? Yeah. And that can happen in the, in the relationship while you're there. I know someone who has a very, very hard time right now to let go of a breakup. And I have seen that a couple of times, like not, not in a professional uh, way with clients that I don't consult in, in a relationship necessarily. I had, had a few, but not really a lot. And I don't uh, see myself as an expert in the field, but um, I know a lot of people, I mean, we know that you and I, I guess, we have the zoom out look and we see the couple and we see that they're not a right fit and we're happy for them that they have split and they bro broke up because that's not, not good for my friend, for example, that she's still with that guy or, or opposite. And they have a lot of hard time to let go of that relationship. It's just let it go. Why is that usually the case? Why is it hmm. so hard to let go? Two things. You don't want to feel the truth, huh. whatever that truth is. Again, it's the process of facing whatever really happened. Mm. This is really hard to do because this really breaks the heart. Mm. It really breaks the heart. We have to go through it. Um, and I don't mean heartbreak that you lose complete. You're chaotic and you're agitated. I mean, really feeling the truth. That's really painful. Mm. And so we're afraid to feel it, to see what we've done to maybe, to maybe have caused it or perhaps how we allowed this to happen. This is truth and this is very painful to see. So we don't let go. Second of all, it's the idea what idea do they represent 
what idea are you attached to about this person? They may think, well, there's just a partner I spent 14 years or five years with, two years with. There's an idea that you're attached to that they're holding. And so this is another one of them. Now, in these two, um, what one of the processes uh, we carry out that is it may sound very strange to say in, the, in a very conscious state like this, but in the, in the hypnosis state, we call this calling your power back. So when we engage in any relationship, especially, uh, actually every relationship, but especially children to parents, automatically, unconsciously, we hand over so much of ourselves, our dreams, our hopes, our desires, our pain, all of this we hand over to the other person. The person may have asked for it, may have not asked for it, and we are also carrying theirs. This is happening unconsciously, subconsciously. So when we are not letting go, usually what in hypnotherapy, we call this part of us back. Sounds very energetic, sounds very abstract, but when they do this, most clients are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I gave all of this independence over to this woman. This is why I, I, I did what she asked me to do. Or I can't believe... Um, yeah, I handed over all my power of love, perhaps, or joy. Um, and so, or this person is going to be the one to make me happy. This dream that they have, we call it all back. Mm -hmm. You cannot do this only in a conscious state. This has to be in the in alpha theta. So you can go into meditation state, close your eyes, breathe, relax, and begin to call back. It, it can feel strange, but call back this power you handed over to them, the power for them to bring you happiness, the power that you gave them for them to nurture you, to love you, to protect you, to guide you, to feed you, to do whatever it is and go into it. And so these are the ideas of what they're holding. Usually they start to become just a human and that's what they are, not the idea of what they could have been. And there you're able to let go. Uh, it's very important I mentioned if you, someone tries to do this, when you're in that state and you call back your power, please also we turn all of theirs back to them. Their pain, their suffering, your need to care for them, your need to nurture them, your need to do all of this, the roles you've played with them. We identify with roles with our partners. We don't even realize this most of the time. I'm gonna be their caretaker. I'm gonna be their lover. Call, send this all back, send this all back. This is not yours. So most people, this is the last step they need to go through. And then once that's cleared and fully done, Actually, it can sometimes just be a 10-minute session if we just do that. They find themselves, oh, that was, that was it. Mm. Yeah, and this is quite unconscious um, and subconscious. So you can't really do this back in the conscious state. Mm. Okay. So yeah. been Does that make, does that make sense? Or? It, it, all of what you're saying is making sense. I'm probably going to listen to this two or three more times for sure. Break it down for myself <laughs> and for people who are going to be reaching out for sure. And um, it's been very insightful, for sure. And um, I wonder, um, maybe this is the last question. I always say the last question is never the last question. There's always more coming. I wonder at what stage you think someone could look for help for coming mm. Would you, uh, uh, for example, or um, another form of therapist uh, or counselor, or hypnotherapist, at what stage is it healthy to go? Because oftentimes I think it's only, we only reach for help when we are in the danger zone, when we are already somehow too far in the conflicts. Yeah. Um, the, see, 
I always prefer people to be able to figure it out on their own because it's not it's not very helpful to be dependent on anybody, especially mm -hmm. a therapist. Please don't give away your power to the therapist. That's number one. So please, if you do decide to work with a therapist, please don't put, give away your power to them. You can always solve it on your own. So ideally, you can do that on your own. However, if you find that you are really finding yourself going in the same circle and you, you have looked at it analytically, and also in the feeling, ah, I feel a strong fear. I feel, and I cannot break that down more. If you cannot use your conscious willpower and also your wisdom to break through, then yes, find somebody who can work with you on that. Only then, most of the time, by us sitting still, working through it consciously, and then feeling how that feels for us and going through it together, mind and body, mm -hmm. or conscious and subconscious, we can figure a lot out. Now, if you don't know how to go about that, there are so many tools online so many um however if you really don't want to do this on your own and you're starting to feel afraid or you're starting to feel okay this is too big for me or uh, I, I don't want to do it alone and that's another thing you don't need to do anything alone so but it's very helpful to do this um to to learn the tools yourself anyways but if you think that's when you would come in i really suggest with couples especially those who have children or women who are, who are pregnant please come in sooner than later really because the minute you can nip it in the beginning it does not get compounded and snowballs into a bigger thing and this is really powerful when you see something um yeah i work i work a lot of people who are at the right the brink of divorce and um they really have no they have no idea what to do they just have no idea and so we'll have uh, uh four sessions and the last one this couple from japan and they were on the brink of divorce no more passion no idea why and so at this point the pressure is quite heavy. The desire to stay together, it's not so strong. And so it, it's really more, it, it, it's really more um, difficult to see where it's going to go. The duty is still, for me as a therapist, and for each of them, please become a better version of you. And if you can, resolve the versions of you that are causing conflict, and together you can move forward. Mm -hmm. Ideally, we don't get the divorce. Ideally, we can look at this at the beginning. And in this case, it was the complacency of the wife and the dominance of the husband mm. so of course she felt more and more submissive and more and more suffocating and he felt more and more frustrated because she wasn't standing up but after 10 years they were already not even speaking and so having done this she finds new life having done this he finds new respect for her new life energy um, uh -huh. so this is really beautiful to see but it can be it can be very difficult when it gets to that end so as soon as you notice something work on it by yourself if not please definitely reach out sooner the better and depending on the situation the number of sessions change right like uh, some what's the average number of sessions that someone can do with you so if we're talking about a relationship where you have cptsd which is complex ptsd i would say prepare for three sessions but most of the topics with relationships heartbreak even abusive ones one to two i wouldn't say more than that um yeah one to two but if you're having complex ptsd which is uh, you know biological and it's affecting so many components of the, of the being themselves we need to do a bit more because uh, we're actually restructuring the self who is this person without mm. all of this trauma and this this needs time do you do you consult on intimate issues um say sexual uh yeah. desire yeah. and all that you consult with that too right yeah, actually, the most common one I get is premature ejaculation um, in terms of uh, for men. And then women is I cannot orgasm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just, I would love to, but I cannot. And here, so we're looking at this because this is also tied into feeling. Mm-hmm. Everything, uh, yeah, energy of feeling, emotions. And so we look back at that. So these are the two common sexual components I work with, male and female. All right. Okay, good to know. I guess we'll be putting a lot of links out there for people to reach out and ask more questions, consult with you and so on. Um, at the end of this uh, recording, yeah. Okay. How can we end this? Um, looks like I went over all my questions. Were there anything in your notes over there that also you would you want um, to? Let me see when those people who I don't believe so, but we answered the ones that people ask questions they wanted to um, hear. The end. Yeah. Not dragging the past into the new relationship. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, then. You have. A lot to digest over there. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I just got one in. About, uh, it, um, th- this was an actually in relation to, to c- communication. The last thing is this, this idea that uh, uh, miscommunication between male and woman uh, this is the question. Why is it so difficult to communicate with the opposite sex? Um, this is a fascinating question. This is the same way about training yourself to learn how to communicate is another one. So we do this in the hypnotherapy session. The way we communicate, we think that's just the way who I am. That's the way I am. But it is also just a habit and it's also just a skill. So training that is key. A lot of the times, unfortunately, men will, when they hear the woman complain, is uh, they will... Um, they will defend the uh, intention, the intention. Look, but I had a good intention. Even though the actions were wrong, what they're doing is they go into the defensive and defend the intention. Whereas a woman is not so much quench- questioning the intention, it's question, uh, sometimes actually she is, but uh, many times she's actually disappointed or frustrated with the actions. And right. so the man is interpreting that she's disappointed for whatever reason, um, he's, he finds himself having to defend his intention. And this, this is where a lot of the communications uh, uh, problems get magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, so p- slowing it down, what are you actually in pain about? Breaking it down. You know, if I can say any one last thing about relationships, nothing is actually personal. If we can really teach ourselves that nothing is personal, nothing is a personal thing, which is very difficult. And I know that it's, it's actually quite impossible to live with every time, but nothing is a personal attack. And it is really the other person's thing. And how to respond in a way, understanding that this is their thing. How can we work to bridge that? This is really a powerful way to have a harmonious and loving relationship. This is the way they are. This is the way I am. How can we bridge this? And so not being defensive about my intention, that you misread my intention. It's not about that. How can I make this more flexible? How can I talk in a different way? How can I be perhaps conveying it in a clearer way? This we become more flexible. So this is ideal uh, to look at. Communication is not just words. I mean, it's also mm. growing. I'm, I'm, uh, why do you speak? And I'm also thinking about how we can sum or summarize a little bit the key yeah. things for a successful relationship. So I, I take notes of communication as being a big one. So what are the other two, three, or even one more thing that is a key for a successful relationship? So communication one. Two. Mm-hmm. That has to bridge yourselves. Um, number two, uh, quite a big thing. Please know yourself. 
know yourself so, know your fears know your pain know so your trauma self-awareness in general yeah know your triggers know yourself and and please also be responsible accountable for yourself it is not the duty of the other person to carry this and all of it, take care of you. No, know yourself and be accountable for yourself. This is having your own power. And when you do that, you automatically have integrity and you have a sense of respect and you will find you communicate even better and that person will respond even better. Um, the last one I would always recommend with the couples I work with is if you cannot take care of your levels of stress, you will never have a good relationship ever. This is not possible because you're biologically running on a survival uh, level, depleted, uh, maybe nutritionally, maybe emotionally, maybe mentally. So it is a requirement to have a healthy relationship. You must be able to take care of yourself eating well, sleeping well, managing your stress maybe from work, exercising. Men need to produce testosterone, and this, uh, lots of studies on this. Take the cave time. Go and get your testosterone back. Women, create your oxytocin and serotonin. Eat well, and please give the man the cave time. This is a very uh, cave time concept also comes anyway, from John Space. Yeah. Yeah, space, yes. And so women, go find ways to, to uh, get your energy, your oxytocin back by talking with your girlfriends, by doing other things like nails, shopping, and so forth in a, in a balanced way. So take care of your stress. Then you can actually come to the relationship in a better way, in a more harmonious way. Okay, so we have communication, self-awareness, self-management, as in managing emotions, nutrition, me time and all that i also think we should put in here compassion as in understanding the other person where they come from what they say what what their position is from stepping in their shoes second perceptual position mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ah, if you can go slow add? always go slow compassion take your time go slow. and of go course slow, uh, obviously love Oh, yeah, that's the, I mean, we hope that's exactly why we're starting a relationship yeah. and this joyful, abundant love that comes through. Yeah. yeah. Um, we cannot stop working on ourselves. And if we do that, there is always love that comes from that when we actually tap into those parts of ourselves and automatically we will communicate better with others. We will love other betters. Uh, yeah, it's this is exactly it. Love, gentleness. I did. I think we did quite well at summarizing at the end, at concluding. <laughs> this is right. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Driss. Thank what you. It was such a pleasure. Sorry. What, what time? time is it? Nine thirty. All right. Time. Time to let you go. I guess. Sleep time. Thank you so much for this. It was such a pleasure to share all this. My pleasure, my pleasure. I should be writing a book about this. So no about about. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, well then, um, yeah, I will be sharing this in a video format and also as an audio format too, and also probably have little snippets, little short clips to have maximum impact and maximum exposure about this topic, a very highly needed topic, both right now during COVID-19, but also in the long term, just people to be in happier, better uh, relationships with themselves and also with, uh, with others. Fantastic, I look forward to it. Okay. And okay. see you back in Bali very soon.
Yes, and we'll talk since uh, until then. We'll probably be talking and conversing before that. Okay. okay. Thank you, Driss. Welcome. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com slash blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.